Get ready to throw perfection out the window because you're tuned in to the Honestly Imperfect podcast. I'm your host, Alicia Penhorwood, and I'm a marketing coach and the founder of Harper Collective, where I help business owners master their PR and simplify their marketing. Each week, we'll be unlocking valuable tips to up-level your business and sharing honest conversations with entrepreneurs to uncover their stories and wisdom to inspire you to take action. Now let's dive into this week's episode. If you're an interior design lover, you are going to love this episode because today we are joined by Paula of Paula and Joy, which is an Australian-owned small business run by a mother and daughter duo. You have likely seen their beautiful designs all over Instagram. This is where I discovered them and let's just say my Instagram saves are full of their beautiful products. And I was so excited to delve into this conversation today because Paula shares what it was like building the brand, navigating challenges, while also listening to her customers and keeping the brand fresh. There is so much wisdom in this episode that I know is going to inspire you and help you to grow your own business as well. So let's dive right in. A big warm welcome to the Honestly Imperfect podcast. I am really excited to delve into your story today and the incredible brand that you have created alongside your mom as well. So welcome to the Honestly Imperfect podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Can you share a bit of a glimpse into your world and what a week in your life looks like? Yeah, so I'm the founder and director of Homeways brand Paula and Joy, and we're based in Melbourne. And I feel like my day to day is really just constantly problem solving with scaling the business and growing it. We've always got so many challenges that come on, and that's really what takes more time of my day is literally just like calling people, sorting things out. You know, with our business, it's a laborious kind of business where it's like it's huge, bulky products. So it's not actually as fun as it looks in terms of how it looks in social media. There's a lot of things going on in the background, like logistics and storage. So, yeah, that's kind of what's taking most of my time at the moment. But, you know, we're still also doing, apart from that, we're doing designing new products and launching them and doing the marketing too. So there's a lot, a little bit of fun there as well. I love that you share that and that you're so honest with that because, like you said, we can look at brands on social media and think, oh, it looks so beautiful, and they probably spend their day doing mood boards and designing new products. But really a lot of business is going, okay, which fire do I want to tackle first today? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so there's like five fires a day. There's always something that goes wrong, and it's always something new that we've never done before. So it's just figuring that out as it comes. And can you take us back to the early days and what was the first idea to go, we're going to create a homewares brand? Yeah, so it's very interesting journey actually because I don't come from an interiors background and I've always worked in the marketing industry. And I just, when I was working full-time in marketing and then I had a chance to travel, I was able to see all these beautiful interiors like overseas, like in Europe. But the thing is, I felt intimidated in the sense that I feel like I had to be an interior designer in order to have these beautiful products. And so I wanted to, I wanted beautiful products and high quality products that were also accessible in price and affordable. 
so that's where like the idea came from. And then I came back and we just put things into motion. But yeah, it, it's just for me wanting something out there where you can really mix and match. It just doesn't have to feel like a lot of work. And in, in terms of thinking of putting things together, does it feel like this fits? Does it feel like, you know, I'm stepping into a different space where I'm not, you know, I know nothing about. So it's kind of grown from there. Yeah. And what was that transition like going from marketing into an entirely new industry? Yeah. So I feel like, I mean, like with business, there's always a marketing side to it. So that one, I kind of just fit into it quite smoothly because it, there wasn't really much to change. Like every marketing has a business sense. But in terms of like interiors and product, it it really took a lot of work in order. But it was also like what I liked. So in in a way, it took a lot of work in terms of sourcing, putting things together, making sure that, you know, from a consumer's perspective, it made sense. But it was also what I liked and what I yeah. would have wanted for myself. So it fit in well. And what was your first step? You went, okay, I've come back from overseas. I've seen all these beautiful interiors. I want to create my own brand. Were you overwhelmed at the thought of starting? I think I would have been if I had known what I would be doing now. But because I was quite naive, it actually played in my favor. So straight away, I just thought of like a business name, open bank accounts, you know, like open my website, my registered, my ASIC and everything like that. So those were kind of the first steps that I took. I mean, I did have some help from like sourcing agencies and they helped me a lot in terms of getting the products in and like getting the designs made. But it was after I had already had things in motion that I started to feel overwhelmed because there was things like freight and logistics. And because we were working out of our garage, to start with, and we had these bulky products that I didn't realize would cost so much to ship out, but needed to be competitive. That's what kind of overwhelmed me. But I didn't know that when I had started. And if I had known that, I probably would have like changed pace a bit or changed the direction of the business. But I'm, I'm glad that everything turned out the way that it did. Mm, I feel like freight is always, it's always the kicker. It's always the one that sort of comes in like I work with a lot of interior design clients and some of them are based over in Canada and it's always the thing that we're navigating when we're planning marketing campaigns. We're going, okay, well, if we're going to do a push on furniture pieces, then we really need to think about the freight of those furniture pieces. So yeah, it's always the one that stands out. Exactly. Yeah. So you've launched the brand. It's now grown into something that is so beautiful and Everyone wants one of your pieces in their homes. What have you done to really cut through the noise and make sure that the brand stands out from the rest? Thank you so much. And that's actually a great question because there's a pressure for me to constantly bring out something new and what our customers want and our stockists want at their speed of rate that they want it. So, you know, like following fashion where in terms of like autumn, winter, spring and summer, there's always something new that they wanted. And we tried that. So we were constantly like in the first couple of years of the business, we were pumping out these products, but it actually made it so difficult to, you know, and we didn't have the proper systems 
in place, like inventory, tracking and everything like that to track everything. So we were actually just draining cash. So now our focus is just to focus on our key staple pieces, beautiful designs that are classic and timeless. And if it took us as long as we did to design something and put it out, then so be it. So that we weren't rushing, trying to chase these trends because that wasn't really what we wanted to do anyway. It wasn't always to be trendy. Like, I mean, there's always going to be an element of it, but we didn't want to be like consistently like pushing out product. Mm. And do you think that through that process, you really defined your style as a brand? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So at the beginning, we were kind of just pumping things out in order to have something out. And then we'd find out like what people actually like. I mean, it was a really good lesson to learn anyway, because we knew what people like, what people didn't, what was selling well, what wasn't. And we were able to kind of curate the look and feel and the style that we wanted our brand to emulate. And do you think, because knowing a lot of interior design brands, there is that struggle of feeling like they constantly have to come up with something fresh. Was that a little bit nerve wracking to go, okay, we're going to become known for these select products and this is going to be our timeless look? Was that a bit scary to make that decision? Yeah, it was. There was a lot of pressure to kind of just stop and and say, actually, we're going to slow down, and you know, focus on what's selling. So we like say, if you have like your top twenty five products or top twenty percent of your products is actually making the most of your revenue, and you focus on them, we didn't want to you know drain cash, and we're still quite a small young business, and it was going to sink us even more if we had just kept pushing something out. So there was the pressure of what our interior brands look like from the outside, but there was also a pressure of business sense. And we had to make a decision to keep the business going, then we'll we'll have to grow in a steady, good pace. Mm. And if you look back on your journey, are there any big stories or main challenges that stand out to you that you've had to navigate? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's been many challenges for sure. I come from a marketing background and growing a homewares brand is very laborious, like I said, in the sense of storage, logistics, freight. So that's one of our main challenges is like optimizing our warehouse management system and logistics to get orders out as quickly as possible, but also like sending the correct items out and because, you know, things are very competitive right now and everyone expects free shipping, but we can't always give them that. So we have to work on like our branding, our product, our ethos, and to say that as much as we do want everyone to have our beautiful pieces in, in their home, we're just not for everybody. And we've built a beautiful community who does understand that. Mm. And how have you... I guess as a as a founder as well, how have you really stayed grounded and confident in driving the the business forward through those challenges? Do you have any practices or a support network that you lean back on? Yeah, we definitely have a support network. But I mean, in terms of like grounding it myself, I kind of just, when these things come up, so like your previous question, yes, if there was something that came up, like there was 
a lot of requests for us to stock this product and restock it. So we ordered so much and by the time it had arrived, no one wanted it. So now we're stuck with this product that's like units and units and taking up so much space in our warehouse. Um, just things like that. But it's just for me, what I do is I kind of just take a step back. I like completely disassociate myself from that problem and go into a completely different headspace. So I would go into like creative space. And even though say something is urgent and something needs to be dealt with now, if I just let myself not dwell on it too much, I make better decisions that way because my, I would go into a space where it's like, it calms me down. So say if, like, if I want to go mood boarding, I would do that. And I'd do that even if it took a couple of days and then come back and actually I have a clearer head. I have a better, you know, like I don't have that bias to get something done right away and do it wrong. So then that's kind of how I've been able to, you know, tackle those challenges. And it, I guess that's such good advice for listeners as well who are maybe navigating a challenge at the moment is go and do something creative or fun, even though your brain might be totally freaking out about the problem because it helps you approach it from more of that proactive instead of that reactive mindset. So I think that's really good advice. Yeah, exactly. And you mentioned portraying this image on social media. How have you really built a presence on social media? Are there any key things that you've done to make the brand stand out and really speak to your audience? Um, I, I mean, in that sense, I do come from like a social media marketing background so it's been second nature to me launching this business. We invest in a lot of creatives and our paid and organic channels and our look and feel. I mean, we are playing in the aesthetic sort of like aspirational interior space. So that was something that we really had to put some money on, like actually like investing in good photographers, good content creators. But we do have some challenges still is because these platforms, they keep changing formats that they favor. There's always newer kind of creatives that the platforms push out more. So when we started, it was always like these beautiful imagery, editorial-like, nice play of shadows. But now it's like the lower keepers, the better it performs. And while we still want to hold our brand to a standard where they you know, because our brand is not exactly the cheapest, but it's still accessible, but we want to still play in that space of aspirational. We have to do it in a way that's like, okay, we'll we'll do what you want, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and we'll play with those UGCs. But then we invest in creatives and creators who actually, you know, has that look and feel to them as well. And how have you found that split because I understand exactly what you're saying. Like I was on a photo shoot the other week and we were saying we're spending the whole day creating these incredible photos that could go straight into a magazine, but then you share them on social media and they get like 30 likes, but then you'll create a behind the scenes reel and it just goes off the charts and everyone loves it. So how have you found navigating that split of content between professional photos and user-generated content and, you know, maybe more video content. Do you have a plan of how you navigate that? I mean, we don't have like a formula or a plan per se. At the moment, we kind of just upload what we have in our bank to be able to upload. So we'll say like, you know, 
have we used this creative before? And if we haven't, let's post it, even though say we've posted like three reels in the last three days. In a way, there's a little bit of balance to that, that it's like, you know, you're kind of alternating between a UGC and editorial style imagery. Um, and it's worked for us as well. But the main thing that kind of kept the drive going is the community that we've built. So we're not always constantly, we're going to always have like random people who have never come across our brand, see like a reel and then come into our page. But because we're constantly communicating and engaging with that community, even though we're uploading a photo that we're thinking, oh, this might not get that much engagement, it still does. I mean, it's probably not a lot and it doesn't get pushed out, but there'll still be a few. Mm. And I think as well, it's people engage with different types of content in different ways. So that photo might generate more people clicking through to the product pages through the shoppable links in it. Every type of content really serves its purpose. And do you have any advice for listeners who might have an interiors brand or even an e-commerce brand? Because something you've done really well is that user-generated content, but also collaborating with other creators. Do you have any advice around how you've done that well? Yeah. So for us, we've always... Like I think of it as where I stood as a customer when I was building this business, right? I was an interiors enthusiast. I wasn't exactly, I'm not an interior designer, but then that's who we approached in terms of creating content for us because they see things differently. And even now, you know, for me being a brand owner, there's an unlearning that I have to do with these platforms changing and these creatives changing that I have to look at in terms of how other people will perceive it and not just how I will perceive it, even though the brand was focused on how I wanted it to look, if that makes sense. So for example, like say if we have content creators who are renovating their homes and they like that content and they have a community who likes that content and I might not exactly like that content I still have to unlearn from what I think because I have I have been working in behind brands for many years and think this is what is actually you know what's pulling all that engagement now and what's pulling all those views now so it's always about being open-minded and not controlling how these creators create their content and their UGCs. Because if I had known everything, then I would be doing everything. But we need these different perspectives in order to keep growing and order to capture new audiences. I think that's such good advice because I think of conversations that I've had with brands, all different types of brands, and when they're first starting out in collaborating with other creators, there is that real you know, it's my brand and I want to hold on to it tightly and I want it to look a certain way. But I think that's good how you're saying release that control and let them create something that reflects their own personal brand and the way that they would like to style your products as well. So I think that's really good advice. And what is your creative process like? So you've narrowed down that product range. What does it look like when you're developing maybe you know, how do you stay on top? How do you keep the brand fresh and stay on top of what's happening in the interior design industry? What does that process look like? 
Yeah, for us, we are always just listening to our customers. Um, they tell us what they like, what they don't like, how we keep improving. For example, for one of our really staple products in a core table lab, it was such a good launch and so many people had it. And then, you know, but it was really neutral and organic in terms of its shape, its color. But then, you know, there's other types of people who wanted it to make it a little bit more quirky. So then we introduced like, the color versions of the core table lamp and then they wanted a floor lamp. So we then made it into a floor lamp. So it's always just introducing what our customers want. But I can also understand, you know, like we are in the interior space and we do want to be ahead of what others would release. So in that sense, it's a lot of just research. We're using research in terms of, you know, like Pantone books and like design books that are coming out a year in advance and looking at through what trends they might be releasing. That's so cool that you've built that community around your brand that give you that direct feedback to say, we want it in a floor lamp and we want it to look like this. How do you collect that feedback? Do you find that it's when they're messaging you on Instagram or are there any ways that you get that feedback for your brand? Yeah. So with, with that, we have our customer service team who would like, you know, customer service, including like social media, um, community. We actually just like pop them down into a spreadsheet and we look at like the most common requests. We don't always cater to everything, um, because it's expensive to do that, but we do look at like what's really the most common things that keep popping up. So yeah, yeah. It's just literally just a spreadsheet. <laughs> That's actually a good idea though, because I think sometimes we can overcomplicate things or we can simplify things and then everything's stuck in our head. And when we're coming to go, okay, I need to create a new product or I want to launch a new service offering, we don't have that feedback in front of us. So I think that's really good advice. And right now, within the landscape of everything that's going on in the world and the e-commerce industry, do you have any words of wisdom for other listeners who might be wanting to start an e-commerce brand or maybe they're running one at the moment? What would you want to hear someone say to you at the moment that would inspire you to keep going? Yeah, at the moment, we are seeing a drop of discretionary spending with rates increasing. And because we're playing in the home space, those people are the ones who are affected the most. They're the ones who are actually like struggling and having to keep up with these rate rises. But I would say is to actually hold steady and ride the wave. Now is actually a great time to refresh your marketing efforts that you've had a lot to do on your list. And just like COVID, there's always going to be a boom after a downturn. And while you've got to be ready to hold on to your cash, and you also have to be ready to cater to a sudden spike in demand when it comes to it. So in that sense, we look at the US, right? They had gone through a recession, but after a lot of conversations with other e-com founders who are in the US, then they've seen a spike in spending again. So that always happens. And we've just got to ride the wave right now. Hold on to what you can. Don't spend too much, but also take time to review what you've needed to review in terms of marketing and creatives. That way, when the spike does come, you're ready as well. I love that advice. And it's almost riding that wave right now, but also casting your vision forward to know things are going to get better and maybe a whole lot better than you expect. And are you actually prepared for that? 
Yeah, exactly. So you always want to think glass half full anyway. Yeah, such good advice. And what is next for the brand? What can we look out for? What can we start to get excited about? Yeah, we're always working on new collections to release. But now the actual, the biggest project that we're working on and is underway slowly and surely is actually expanding outside of Australia and New Zealand. So that's a huge undertaking. But yeah, it's an exciting challenge because again, it's going to be a whole challenge of logistics and storage and 3PLs, even like, you know, with electrical components, it's something completely different. So yeah, it's a slow project, but we're we're ready for it. That is so exciting. We'll have to do a check-in podcast episode to get all the inside of how it went and anything that people should steer clear of. But that's a really amazing goal to be working towards in the business. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for coming on today and sharing so much wisdom and so much honesty because I know that this is going to help a lot of business owners. So I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's episode, I would love if you could leave a review or share a screenshot to Instagram and tag at Honestly Imperfect Podcast so that I can pop on over and say hello. I can't wait to connect with you again soon.